Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. So much ever here with Kieran Murphy. Hello there, Owen. Hi, Kieran. I'm Ken Erdy. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. How are you? I'm pretty good. good. I think if you're listening to this show, I'm going to make the assumption that you're a fan of sports podcasts as a general rule, or else we're just some sort of strange outlier in your consumption of media. But let's just go with the former for the time being. Yeah. The legitimacy of this medium as a way of discussing sport has developed quite a lot over the last few years. At least some of that credit in my book goes to Bill Simmons, Ken, whose BS report was one of the first podcasts I started taking seriously. And it's one of the parts of his legacy, his ESPN legacy. Other parts include the Grantland website, that he set up and edited, and the 30 for 30 series that he was heavily involved in driving from its inception as well. I say legacy because as of late last week, Simmons is no longer at ESPN. A cursory statement from the company revealed that his contract will not be renewed. Very cursory. It was basically, yeah, listen, I just decided yesterday that, uh, or was it today, whatever it was, from John Skipper, the presence, just decided we're not going to renew his contract. Yeah, well, I suppose <laughs> It's not the usual platitudes from either side that you get in these cases. That's... Uh that's what happens when you run a big media organization. You get to make those kind of calls. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes there's a big call to be made, and, and you're the man to you're the man to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, but this surely isn't the end for Bill Simmons. Oh, it's not. And he's he'll be back, right? Any, any man with 34 million Twitter followers, I'd say, will have at least a certain amount of interest in what he does next. But what's interesting here is. This guy's had long-standing issues with ESPN. I read that book, The Bad Guys of All the Fun, a number of years back. James Andrew Miller wrote that a long... Those guys of all the fun. What did I say? The Bad Guys. Oh, I'm mixing up two different books. Two different books. That's but the other one, Both yeah. good, yeah, yeah. but all the same, yeah. The one that you mentioned, Murph, uh, is the one about ESPN. A fairly detailed oral history of ESPN. And Bill Simmons' contributions to that book are very funny. He's uh, not, not, I don't think it's deliberately funny. Hmm. He's just spend, he spends a lot of his time saying, yeah, I'm the sports guy. That's what I am. I'm, I'm just a guy who's big into sports. Uh, I like to do do things in a smart way, in a way that people want to read about, want to watch. ESPN, yeah, they're kind of different ethos altogether. They're all about the money. They're yeah. all about... The crusty old Dean. crusty old Dean here. <laughs> and, you know, someday the day will probably come that I move elsewhere. I spread my wings and fly elsewhere. He has done this regularly. He's had a go uh, called Roger Goodell a liar, the... But the NFL commissioner, which didn't go down too well with ESPN, who were in bed with the... Uh, and you, you, should, you, could, you could say with great legitimacy that he should be allowed to say that. And he's dead right. If he feels a certain way, he shouldn't be beholden to ESPN on that. But there have been a number of these issues over the years that have developed. I think the, the central point is that he had a huge ally in this man, John Skipper, who was is now the president and has been a big backer of his. Uh, when you boil all these things down, I think if you, if you lose the one powerful ally you have in an organization of that size, you're kind of screwed, Murphy. 
Yeah, and I was actually just looking for the release date of those uh, those guys of all the fun. It was roughly around the time he negotiated his last contract. <laughs> so I think that there was always an element with Simmons that uh, it really suited him and suited what he wanted to say about sport to paint himself as this complete outsider that I, I don't know how I've ended up. It's like I woke up and then one day I was working for ESPN. Oh my God, how terrible is that? And that you can kind of get away with that for a while, but over the course of 14 years of him trying to distance himself from everyone else that worked with him in ESPN, people in ESPN kind of said, well, this guy, he keeps dogging us like this. Why does he keep dogging us like this? And... Uh, uh, they've decided that uh, that enough is enough. Some of what he's done has been excellent, though. That's what you, you have t- to You do. take the personality with that to a certain extent anyway. Uh, I mentioned the BS report, uh, which now probably wouldn't actually rank as necessarily one of my favourite two or three podcasts. I'm still dipping it in and out of it. But at, at its time, this was a big name in the US and the biggest organisation in US sport talking about sport in, via a relatively new medium. I think he started in 2007, something like that, doing that. The 30 for 30 is massive. And it seems as though in recent times, any any interviews about the conception of 30 for 30 and how how this was such a great idea, they used to always include Bill Simmons because he was one of sort of two real drivers of it at the start. He's been edged out of that narrative somewhat. I think mm. there's another fellow who's t- getting most of the credit now for well, that. Well, again... Grantland, a brilliant long-form yeah. website with superb long-form journalism you don't necessarily see elsewhere. Yeah, again, if you're working in ESPN, it's you're, the two things that are seen as really classy and you know highbrow, that you're kind of handing both of the credit for both of them over to this one guy mm. who, as I've said, keeps talking us in interviews. I mean, you are, you're going to get pretty annoyed at that. But, yeah, that would be incredibly annoying, right? Yeah, but if you take Bill Simmons out of the, Bill Simmons' actual character, his personality, whatever, if you take that out of it, I mean, Grantland is still, it's brilliant. I mean, I, there are brilliant things on Grantland and that's the US sports website that I would be on way more than any other US sports website. Uh, if you compare it to the ESPN uh, or the Sports Illustrated websites, it's, they're just not half as good. They're well, to be fair, I mean, to be fair, ESPN is, is like a big reporting organization. Exactly. I mean, yeah. If you want to go and actually for, yeah. see like a video of a basketball player talking about you know what happened, I mean, if you actually want to find out what's happening, you kind of have to go and read ESPN. I mean, it's like if you want to has the, find out what to think about stuff. Hmm. Like I read Andy Greenwald. Andy Greenwald. He does the TV, yeah. TV recaps. Was, very good. Yeah, yeah, and there's Brian Phillips, the run, yeah. uh, run of play. I'm sure plenty of you follow, follow him on Twitter, and he's, just, he's as good as there is. He's, but, you know, I, I do think you also need to have, you know, you also need to have, like, an organization which is making it its business to find out, what send people to all the things that are happening <laughs> and report back so that the rest of us can sit here and, like, write, think pieces about it. I think the point is that those, the likes of Grantland, for example, was something that ESPN, not only didn't care about, but apparently didn't want. This is uh, originally, it was a Bill Simmons idea. And as part of those last contract negotiations, Bill Simmons said, I'm starting this up, give me this. And they went along with it. They don't, they, and losing a guy like that might mean that they lose a certain element of that more, I don't know what way, I was supposed to say intellectual way of looking at sport. That sounds a bit, uh, yeah, a bit kind of, I don't know. A sideways glance? A se- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, uh, but, Thinking about sport in a deeper way than just those other clips that you see on the standard ESPN Well, I mean, it's a, very linear, it's a very linear way of looking at things. Okay, our sports coverage is going to be uh, broadcasting live coverage of that sporting event. And then the re- everything around that is going to be uh, talking heads talking about an upcoming sporting event or a sporting event that has just finished. And, you know, obviously Simmons has proven that there is room plenty of room in between those two lines while well, also uh, doing a bit of talking head stuff himself I think quite yes a lot. quite a bit we'll chat to Dave Hannigan about that later Malachi Clerken is going to be in studio shortly to talk about the story that broke yesterday a story that seems to have caught the GA massively on the hop that one of their players has tested positive for steroids there was no coherent message coming from the president of the GA yesterday other than this is an ongoing process and it's unfair to comment and it is an ongoing process but I don't know how unfair it is to comment at this stage, given that the story is in the public domain. It's something we'll chat to Maliki about very shortly. Uh, Ken, in the football podcast, which we already have out today, you mentioned Roy Keane's updated autobiography. Oh, yeah. And you were quite eager to head off to the shops and get your well, hands Well, no, on. I wasn't eager to get off to the shops. I mean, let's be fair. I, f- I found that it had been sent in, uh, unbeknownst to me. 
uh, when we were recording our podcast earlier. Um, Forgot you don't pay for sports books anymore, Ken. Well, I mean, it's it's the paperback edition. So I guess the reason for this update is that it's the um, it's the paperback edition. If you want to buy it in paperback, you can now you now get to read postscript at the end. Postscript is like uh, like eight pages or something like this. So I immediately read the postscript to see if anything was said about uh, um, the um, God given talent of Jack Grealish. That's you know lit up. European football over the last few weeks and who Roy Keane worked with not mentioned um, there's a bit of talk about why essentially why he left Villa just a fuller version of what we were talking about earlier um, combination of fact that he realised that having two jobs actually was taking up a lot of his time uh, he was tired he wasn't feeling fresh um, he wasn't seeing his family you know when he had time off from one job he had to go and do the other job eventually he just kind of thought I've got, you know what I've actually got one too many jobs mm. so he got rid of the villa job everything was fine he said there was talk about some players celebrating and whatnot when i was gone i'd like to think that wasn't true uh, i'm sure there was one or two who didn't like me because working at a football club is all about disagreements you know he wasn't there to he wasn't there necessarily to you know tickle them uh and and uh, give them foot massages and tell them how awesome they were all the time right so one or two of them maybe didn't like him but he'd like to think most players were disappointed that he left uh, then he kind of slags off Villa a bit. <laughs> he says, you know, they don't have a winning culture. Uh, it's a tired club. They're not really trying that hard in training, not really that hungry for success, no hunger. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. Nothing about Grealish, junior or senior? Not a mention. And I would have thought Grealish was pretty much the most interesting thing that happened uh, when, uh, during Roy Keane's brief sojourn in Aston Villa, which he says has taught him uh, that if he is ever going to go back into management, he will... It will be as a manager. It will not be as an assistant. For instance, he, he reckoned Darren Bent should have got a bit more time in the pitch. He reckoned he was the best finisher at Villa. Uh, Paul Lambert had other ideas, so Paul uh, Roy Keane had to respect that. Yeah, it's a pity. It's a real opportunity missed. We're going to have to wait until the uh, next postscript in six can, months' time before we get to cover these can, vital issues. Can I just tell you one just last thing? Just in time for the Christmas, just, for the Christmas just, book Just market. to give you a flavour of this, right? And which, and this is kind of the last couple of programs. I was at Goodison one night to watch Everton and I passed the TV trucks and I was thinking, I don't miss hanging around drinking tea. But then ITV asked me if I'd do Chelsea versus PSG, the Champions League match in Paris. And I thought, listen, I'll dip my toe back into it and see where it takes me. Other companies have been talking to me, but I felt a little bit of loyalty to ITV. I went to Paris and it was fine. I still don't think I have a long-term future in TV poetry. I don't even like that word, but I'm trying to be more open-minded about it, dot, dot, you know, <laughs> etc., etc. So... I mean, I don't know. I look forward is there a to bit these... too much? Is there actually a bit too much analysis going on in these pages of, of some not very interesting stuff? <laughs> you know, Roy Keane, not sure whether he wants to go on TV to talk about a football match or not. You know, is he really going to be passionate about it? There's some things he can do and you don't have to be passionate about them. You know what I mean? That's the, he's come to that conclusion. I'm kind of thinking, yeah, maybe... Maybe don't write about this. <laughs> maybe don't write about this because we're all only here on this planet... For a brief, a brief moment of time, and and that was just too many moments, too many little fractions of my moment gone right there. Malachi Clerken is in studio to talk doping in the GA. Malachi, how are you? Hi, lads. The scourge of doping that has yeah. uh, ripped the GA apart, but it's an interesting story. I think first of all, the uh, the timing of this is interesting. The timing of the story coming out and being reported because it seems as though this has happened before the Sports Council and the the GPA. Ideally, would have liked it to to happen, or certainly before the GAA even even knew about it, or certainly had it finalised. Because the GAA president Egon O'Farrell was at RT yesterday, ready to talk. A nice, uh, gentle preview of the championship, all that kind of stuff. Launched a championship. A load of reporters turned up then to ask him about this story, and it seemed like he wasn't really sure what to say. It seems like they 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 have for whatever reason they haven't been able to manage the release of this this news. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure at the higher level of, of the GA they, they might have known mm. very much about it um, I guess you know the way these things are supposed to work is that you know the process is ongoing the way they do work is that it's a small country and news gets out um, so uh, yeah I was ringing around yesterday um, a few people in Monaghan uh, just trying to find a bit of context or a bit of what was going on and I think it took quite a few people up there by surprise. Oh, right, okay. So it wasn't the sort of thing that everybody was talking about this no, and now it's no, gone no. national. From now, 
from the, the couple of three or four people I was talking to mm. yesterday, it it didn't seem to um, it 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 wasn't though it wasn't as though the dogs in the streets knew that this was going to come out eventually. I don't. The, it was the precise opposite. Ideally, that. I would say from a, any association's point of view, when something like this is happening, it does go through the process. It finish the process mm. finishes up. A joint statement is released by the GA, the GPA, the sports yeah. council, and whoever else, probably the player involved who is contrite, takes his punishment. And it can then be dealt with in a certain way, but that's not the way this is happening. Yeah, yeah. You, what what you want here is kind of a four-paragraph email that takes you through the entire stages, the five stages of grief, basically. <laughs> that Basically, you, you read it and there's, at the end of it, it's like, well, that was a compelling human story. Now, let's move on. Well, that's what the GAA want. I'm yeah. not sure if that's what the sports fans and consumers of sports media want, because well, it's maybe more remember, interesting to talk about Well, uh, if you remember much about the Aidan O'Mahony thing in 2008, Eight-ish, eight, seven, whenever it was, you know, about seven or eight years ago. Um, Aidan O'Mahony, I remember very clearly dealing with that extremely well. Um, Now, obviously, he had nothing to hide at the back of it. Um, But the amount of high dudgeon that there was taken on his behalf, not by him, not even by officially from Kerry or anything like that, but by you know, the ordinary GEA supporter and all this kind of stuff about how, you know, this is a disgrace that amateurs are being, you know, uh, dealt with this way, all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember very clearly at the time, uh, Kerry and Aidan O'Mahony taking a step back, staying quiet, and when the time came, explaining their case, explaining what had happened, and it went away very quickly. And that was and there the was inhaler huge, one. That was when it was he, the inhaler. Yeah, yes, he, yeah. he there was salbutamol in his ventolin inhaler. He took the wrong one or whatever. There was no suggestion, or no, you know, nobody thought that he was he was a doper. Nobody thought that there was anything like that. Um, and in the end, there was a lot of sympathy for him. And I, I remember writing at the time that um, the GA could not have come across an absolutely more perfect first failed drugs test than in O'Mahony's because he was a high-profile player. It wasn't a nobody. Uh, it was inadvertent. Uh, there was no suggestion that he was trying to gain any any sort of advantage from it. And it brought the whole area of doping into the GA realm and had a proper conversation about it. And with the exception of uh, some hysteria around the margins, uh, people became more sort of conversant in it and, and were better able to, to sort of accept it. Um, I don't know how this one is going to work out. This one seems a little bit different um, from from what we've heard. Um, the guy is a, a fringe member of the Monaghan County panel, uh, has been on and off a little bit. Um, he, there, I don't know that there's any great suggestion that, you know, he took the wrong inhaler. I think it, it seems to be a bit more... Um, a bit more, perf- a bit more performance related than that. Um, it does seem to be that, it, by the same token, it does seem to be that it was inadvertent. Um, uh, but he does seem to be kind of banged to rights. Uh, he, t- he took the wrong protein shake, or he took the, you know, he t- he took a supplement or something like that that he shouldn't have. Um, and that's a, that's a, maybe a bit more interesting, you know, uh, because it does open up all these conversations about what intercounty players and increasingly club players take and how they how they build their bodies up to deal with what the game is now. Um and it also is is interesting from the, the, the point of view of this guy isn't a well known name. He is a bit of a nobody. Uh and I don't mean that to be cruel, I mean I mean just mean that in the in in the sense of Counterpoint him with Aidan O'Mahony. He's not. He's not a name. He's not a name anybody has really heard of. So that does bring into it a little bit more the the arguments of the people who go, well, why are these why are these players subject? This guy isn't a a, a top name. He isn't on advertising billboards. He isn't anything like that. Why are these people subject to these rules? Uh, to to being. Uh, dope tested and all of that. Um, 
I you know I'd be of the opinion that you know if you're if you're going to be an elite county player if you're aiming to be an elite county player that obviously you're you're subject to these rules and it's only right that you should be. But uh, I, I think the conversation this time will be a bit more interesting because there will be people saying that this guy is a glorified club player, uh, and their and their argument will be well that's. He, you know, that's that's not a not a professional sportsman, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, and that, but and I understand that you don't necessarily agree. I with don't that agree argument. with that. At that all that's no, an argument but, but that's there, and one yeah. of the one of the obvious points against that is, well, okay, he might just be a fringe player, but that doesn't mean he's not going to play a part True. for Monaghan, yeah. who could win an All Ireland conceivably. They certainly could win an Ulster <laughs> title. Steady on, yeah, <laughs> no. but they, they could certainly no, win an Ulster final. They could be playing yeah. in front of thirty, thirty-five thousand yeah. people if, yeah. if we just if we don't take it to ridiculous extremes here. Yeah. Well, an All Ireland semi final is, yeah. is yeah. an All Ireland semi final is one hundred percent a target for this Monaghan team. 100%, yeah. And so you're talking about a player defrauding 60,000, 65,000 people in an Ireland semi-final. Yeah. I mean, that's... I know, but also, Murphy, I mean, I, I, on, a, on a lower level, um, I, I always think that when, when there's a, a positive dope test, it's only good news for a sport. I know it sounds like bad news, and I know that whoever this guy is, is sitting in his house today and is probably fairly scared. Mm. And it, this is, you know, because he does know what the future is going to hold. Like his name will come out eventually. Everybody knows that. Uh, it's only a matter of when and how he tells his story and, and what is behind it. Um, but I think this is a good day. You know, I, I think it's great that that more and more people become aware of What's involved? What's involved in in getting your body into this sort of shape? Uh, what risks people are willing to take, and also it it is really like the 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 fear factor is a really strong factor in keeping doping out of sport. The fear of getting caught, the fear of of being a pariah. That it, like it is a, it is a strong strong thing, and I think this is a really good thing for the GAA that that. This is being shown to work. The other point about the argument that a guy like this probably shouldn't even have his name released, and that's what some people would say, mm. okay, you do the punishment and you don't release the name because it could affect him in the rest of his life, in his work. He is an amateur, as you yeah. say. Uh, he's, he's, I'm sure, feeling whatever way he's feeling about things at the moment. But the GA. And sometimes there seems to be this idea that the GAA holds some sort of patent on amateurism in I know, Ireland. A lot of these athletes are earning next to nothing that are going out. Some of the top athletes aren't earning a huge amount. And certainly at the lower level, we're talking about part-time yeah. athletes there also. So it's not I as though the GAA players are the only ones trying to balance the work life. And all of that, those athletes are getting tested totally. quite heavily. Oh, yeah. I, m- I remember um, and again, sorry, just And again, just to further that point on, they're training in the hope that the absolute upper echelons of their sport maybe use an Olympics that yes. you'll watch for five minutes and once every four years yeah, and forget yeah. about it. What we're actually talking about here is the biggest sporting organisation in the country yeah. and we're about to embark on the biggest annual sporting event every single year the carnival that is the GA Championship. Yeah. So like you're you're talking about big time sport, sport if... Yeah. if, oh, if yeah. I'm, I remember interviewing Andrew Breed. Remember the swimmer yeah. from, from yeah. the north who who was his build up to the 2008 Olympics was thrown into huge chaos by he bought the wrong Vix inhaler, um, and for about a month he was he was banned and wasn't wasn't allowed to go. And I remember sitting down with him afterwards. It, it got sorted out because it, like it was a very genuine mistake. Um, and I remember talking to him afterwards uh, about this idea, you know, that that his life is is spent. And he says, yeah, he, he says, I am an amateur swimmer. My, I think his grant at the time from from the sports council was like twelve grand a year or something like that. You know, it's it, it, he he it was costing him money to to do his sport. He was coming to his last Olympics. He had, he had been uh, to a couple. He'd been to Sydney. Don't know if he quite made it to Athens, but he'd been around on the Olympic cycle for most of his life. You know, and and exactly like that. You know, his his whole thing was yeah, but but this is my this is my life. I, I I am an amateur at this, but this is I want to be an elite amateur, and there isn't a GA player in the country that doesn't aim to be an elite amateur, and they're elite in everything that they do and all the structures that surround them, and in the way that they talk and in the way that they're conditioned, you know they take. I remember when the when the sky thing happened last year. Um, 
a big every GA player that you came across was was pro the the Sky deal, and part of that was yeah, sure, sure Sky Sports should be talking to me, and I'm I'm, I'm part, yeah. you know <laughs> what, what what do you think I go, I do all this for you know just just so I can fit into this tight top you know yeah. they, they, they they like they do very much like that idea and the, that's why I don't know that you would ever really come across too many of them. Uh, moaning about being dope tested about and it being out of competition and it being at training and all that sort of stuff and being because, and blood testing now which is what's coming in now, and yeah. blood testing itself is fairly basic in the wider scheme mm. of drug testing it's it's not exactly as other GA players are being yeah. asked to take a, a massive hit but some people wouldn't like the idea just on a, a human basic level of having their bloods tested yeah. on the assumption or on the thought that they might potentially be using performance testing drugs now they have to get used to that idea. Well, but also the fact that they're getting blood tested means that they, they can be sure that everybody that they're playing against is clean. The GA president who I mentioned, um, he's, he's just taken over. Most of what he had to say was, look, there's an ongoing process. It's unfair to comment. He kept repeating that, but in one, it's one of those long no comments where he ends up yeah. saying one or two vaguely interesting things. Does something like this surprise you? He was asked yesterday. Very little surprise me in life. We have close to a million members in the GAA. Our players are volunteers. There's no personal gain for any player. Things happen, but this is an ongoing process, and that's the most important thing to say. I thought that middle part was interesting. Our players are volunteers. There's no personal gain for any player. And there isn't financially. Well, there isn't in terms of a salary, but it's just there is in every other way. I I assume that that's what he's going for. They're amateurs, therefore. I mean, it's just a a pointless, uh, disingenuous argument. Mm -hmm. You know, GAA players are... Exactly, the, the, the... Okay, they they they're not paid a salary, but the idea that making the Monaghan senior team or not making the Monaghan senior team doesn't matter to this guy. Exactly, yeah. That he just as long as there are fifteen good Monaghan lads out there, that's yeah, all that that's matters. All, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That that they can take or leave it because it's it's a volunteer effort. It's just it's, I mean, it's just ridiculous, and it's 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 the sort of attitude actually that 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 you know it took the GPA so long to kind of get a foothold against. This idea that, you know, everybody's a volunteer and everybody's, you know, we're all the same. You know, they the created elite competitions and the, the culture of the sport has created elite participants. Um, they have to be treated as such as just normal sense. There were 10 unsuccessful attempts last year to test team sports. Now, there wasn't a huge amount more detail in the articles I read. This was during the week when John Tracy and the Sports Council mm-hmm. were rolling out the blood testing idea. Five of those involved intercounty GAA teams which, and apparently that overall both those numbers are down on previous times. So teams are understanding that you have to actually uh, you have to front up and be tested here. But something Sean Moran said struck uh, Cordby this morning. He reckons the biggest surprise is that this happens so rarely. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would have thought that too, in fairness. Given the uh, size the players have, have gotten to and the uh, emphasis on power and fitness in, in recent years, you would think the temptation is there. And there doesn't necessarily have to be a culture, as there has been in other sports, of doping for there to be more cases than just this one out there. I think it and I think it's a, it's a, it's a tribute to again every time we talk about the GEA we talk about it as a, as a huge amorphous lump of a thing mm. when it's not it's it's 32 little fiefdoms that are split into several <laughs> dozens of little fiefdoms um and uh, I I think I remember talking to Una May who's the the sports council's head of anti-doping um, maybe about 10 years ago and um Asking her about you know the GA thing, uh, you know because it was sort of in its infancy then, and there was a, there was a, a few rows about you know some teams kind of went missing when or weren't training where they were supposed to be that sort of thing. And um, in the beginning, the sports council were very much look. We need to make an effort here, and they did sort of throw themselves at it in the in the beginning on the, on the basis that their sort of noses start twitching. And noses do start twitching the world over when a sport insists that we have nothing to worry about yeah. straight off the bat. Like that, <laughs> that's, the GA people need to be so careful about yeah, exactly. stuff like that. 
yeah, no, I sure the lads wouldn't do that. You know, we so what good would it be to you? All that kind of stuff. That makes that, you know, somebody like a, a, a doping doctor, as Una May is, she kind of goes, right, yeah, I've heard that in other <laughs> if, sports. If you're thinking that, <laughs> other people are thinking that. Yeah, so they did, they really got kind of, they, they, they did make a, a, a very concerted effort early on, both in education and in testing and all that sort of stuff. And they will say that that in, in latter years, the the idea they they have they have uh, thrown fewer resources at it as the years have gone by because they feel that the the culture of the sport is better educated because they feel that there are fewer and fewer people thinking that they could get away with it first off you know they, because it is it is part of your not, maybe not your daily life as a GA player, but the testers do come to your training. They do test you after games. They, like it is, a, it is a fact of life. And so, in that sort of culture, it does it does go down a bit, and they haven't chased it. I, I would say there are a lot of intercounty players who played a long time and never been tested, though. You know, there there were eighty nine. How many drug tests last year? Just trying to get these numbers up. 89 drug tests last year, half of those roughly in competition mm. and half out of competition. And that's because the Una May is speaking last week, said, look, it's a low risk, uh, as, as Irish sports go, it's very low risk, which doesn't mean we don't mm. uh, test, but, but we, don't, we don't have unlimited resources, so therefore we put some of the resources elsewhere and try to put a certain amount in here. So it's, a, it's not a fact of life for, as you say, for... Uh, but the threat of it is, The threat of it is, yeah. yeah. When, when it's in your head... Uh, that this can happen, that the testers can turn up. That's the thing. Like the the deterrent is there, um, because look, and well, particularly go, with drug testing, if you were an expert, if you read the amount that a lot of us have read about drug testing in different sports, mm. and you really want it, if you're um, let's take the worst case scenario, if you've got a Lance Armstrong figure somewhere lurking in one of the GAA teams, you could <coughs> not Monaghan. You, you could get on the, <laughs> you could get on some higher spec stuff and know that a, a urine test isn't going to cover it. Sure. You're going to at least need to be blood tested to get it. Now, if you're that, if you're willing to give that many of your own resources and time and yeah. energy to it, I'd imagine, I, I, I imagine you're going to get caught eventually, or you're maybe taking the GA a little bit too seriously. Or but you're, it is a serious uh, or you're uh, a multi-millionaire or backed by yeah, multi-millionaires. Yeah. Like the the, the event that uh, we all read the Armstrong stuff. He he got caught through you know. David Walsh chasing down Italian bank records and finding <laughs> out the amount of money that he's paying to Michele Ferrari. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not sure there's an awful lot of that going on up uh, around the border. But I could be wrong. Oh, I, did I could be I, wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I did want to ask that, just about the reaction there. You said you made a few calls and been chatting to people because it's a big story nationally. I yeah. assume uh, people in Monaghan are quite surprised. It's, yeah, it's they're surprising, kind of um, worried about... Uh, what happens next you know a, a lot of it would be kind of sympathy for a poor young fella uh, who was you know trying to make a county squad um, but a, I'd say there's a probably a bit of worry about you know what is the full story mm-hmm. like will it turn out that um, I don't know that there was anyone else involved or, or how, how it came to be so that's the problem with the lack of detail at the moment that's true yeah, yeah, yeah. so I yeah I, I at the minute there's a fair bit of sympathy Forum, but I guess it'll work out on how he tells the story and and what you know what, what the setup was. Yep, Malachi, brilliant, thank you. Cheers. All right, that's, that's good manners. A number of players have played, but they're still in the squad. I wonder, did you speak to any of them before deciding to accept the job? No, absolutely not. No, no, no obviously none of their business. You know what I was going to do? It's a ridiculous question. <laughs> <laughs> we want to win football matches. There's nothing to tame, you know, some sort of animal, you know what I mean? And you obviously don't know Martin as well as you think you do. He makes me look like, what a Teresa. You know, he's, um, I don't know, and we want to win football matches. We've had a lovely few days, the hotel's been lovely, food's been excellent, training ground is lovely, no potholes. Uh, we've had footballs, it's been great, bibs, everything. It's been major progress, and we want to win football matches. I do have some even more shocking news, Murph, from the GA Go world. On, Go on. Uh, this might not shock you too much, but I've discovered the secret of Kerry, the kingdoms, Murph, the kingdoms yeah. football success. Okay, go on then. Well, we all know that they talk themselves down. 
You arrive down there, it doesn't matter how great a team they have, how poor a team your county has, they just talk about how great you are and how you're probably yeah. going to win it this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get lulled into that and then you remember, actually, they're the, they're the team who are going to win it because they do it once every three years, yeah. <laughs> if not more, since these things started up. What I didn't realise until I was down in Kerry for the weekend. Oh, yes, of course. And I overheard a conversation very early on in my trip between two locals. They were talking about something completely different, but within about two seconds, will we win it this year? Yeah. Came the question. Oh. No, I don't think so. No, no, no. I mean, the defence, it's shocking. It's mm. leaking like a sieve. Yeah. Oh, we've got some good attackers this year. Great to have Tommy Walsh back. Yeah. But no, we haven't got a chance. And the other guy, I thought, come on, a bit of intellectual rigour to this. But no, no, the first uh, combatant here said, yeah, I think you're right. Haven't got a chance this year. You're going, come on, you don't have to talk yourselves down to each other. Yeah. That's not the way it works. You don't have to, you can lull us into a false insecurity, whatever way you want, but don't, so Don't basically, there's no joy whatsoever. Uh, no, no one's taking. <laughs> they just talk it down right, to, right up until we hate yeah, listening yeah. to them. We hate watching them win, and then and it turns out they don't even. Oh no, I think they enjoy it, but yeah. they enjoy it so much. They enjoy the process of talking themselves down as much as they enjoy the, yeah. the joy of winning. The At thing. the celebration in Tralee and Killarney last year, the open top bus reception, whatever, they're all turning to us well. You may enjoy this one. That is actually we'll never win it again. This is it. Ken, we already have an Irish Times Second Captain's football podcast on the go. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you talking about? What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to you, face. I'll say it to you now. I'm down 12 fields. I'm going to see them. What are you doing down here, you show me, man? Yeah, and we're going to talk, oh, we have talked, about um, the way that the Premier League season is limping to its conclusion. Uh, Anything else to drag the listeners in, Ken? uh, The Champions League. Ooh, that's still going strong. Very exciting. I mean, come on. You don't see a game like that last week on very often. Uh, in fact, in the way European football is set up now, you see it about once a year. <laughs> we've seen, so, we've seen depending on whether they meet at the semi-final or final, twice a year. Oh, well, it turns out that even, they can sometimes meet in the semi-final and you really only get to see one game. I mean, Bayern are going to play Barcelona tomorrow at home. They're 3-0 down. It will still be worth watching. But I don't think the outcome is in doubt anymore. I'm saying that now. I'm putting that statement on record. I'm prepared to to do that. I'm prepared to put my neck on the line and say that Barcelona and not Bayern Munich will contest the Champions League final in Berlin on June 6th with their 3-0 lead from the first leg. I'm prepared to to go there. We also talked about Steven Gerrard slagging off the Chelsea fans. Sorry, Ken, I just wanted to put in something a bit punchier, you know? A oh, little yeah. bit. Something that I thought might be oh, yeah. likely to get people to Well, I mean, look, well, I'm, I'm sorry that Ken putting his entire journalistic career on the line. Ken's gone off Bill Simmons on his Are ear. you not entertained, Don? <laughs> Dave Hannigan is ready to go. Uh, Dave, the ESPN president, John Skipper, was talking to a journalist when he revealed, this is late last week, I decided today that we are not going to renew Bill Simmons' contract. We have been in negotiations and it's clear it was time to move on. That lacked some of the warmth and empathy that you sometimes see. Not even warmth and empathy, sometimes empty words, but... Uh, usually there are more of them in these sort of statements. seems like quite a sudden and brutal end. Well, it does in terms of uh, there is a story that Simmons heard about it on Twitter, which would, you know, after 14 years, I think he's been working for the company. That's a, a pretty brutal way to end matters. Also, people are interpreting it as Skipper trying to hamper Simmons in his negotiations with other companies now because once ESPN are out of the picture, then that weakens Simmons' hand when he's, you know, if he's trying to get a move elsewhere or somebody else, you know, to buy into him. So, again, you know, nothing personal, just business, I think, would be the, you know, interpretation of what happened there. What are the, what's the interpretation of the reasoning behind ESPN deciding to let go of a guy who's almost made himself into one of their biggest stars over the last number of years? Well, I think the interpretation is that he got a bit too big for his boots in, you know, whether you like him or don't like him. And, you know, he definitely divides people that, you know, he, he has felt that he's almost bigger or above ESPN. And, you know, his behavior in recent in recent months has kind of, uh, you know, he's not been towing the party line. This all stems, of course, going back to last year when he called Roger Goodell, the head of the NFL, a liar and uh, was suspended because of that and was docked pay. And that left an enormous amount of bad blood. But just, you know, to put 
these things in perspective. Simmons is the highest paid guy at ESPN on $5 million a year, reportedly. Uh, ESPN's deal with the NFL costs $1.9 billion a year. So while Simmons is undoubtedly the biggest star that they have in terms of content production and ideas and almost like being the coolest member of their staff, uh, you know, the NFL is the behemoth that you cannot touch. And for them to risk pissing off the NFL, you know, is something that they, they just couldn't afford to do. Simmons doesn't realize or didn't realize that he's not as big as something like the NFL. I was actually slightly surprised that he was only getting paid $5 million. And I say that, I know once you start bringing up these kind of numbers, people might think you're insane to call that, benchmark that against anything and call it low. But I'm benchmarking it. Forget about what they pay for the NFL. Sky Sports paid Thierry Henry $6 million a year to utter banalities on their TV coverage. And uh, Simmons is a proper uh, workaholic with a, a, a touch of genius for what he's brought to them over the last number of years, I think. I, look, this is the thing. Both of them are going to suffer here because Simmons, there's an awful lot on ESPN that is utter rubbish. I mean, there are people on the air at ESPN. I wouldn't watch shows. There are shows on that, on that, on those channels. I would, I would just pass. I would never even stop to dwell for a moment because they're just so rubbish and the people are so inane and they contribute nothing. Let's look at what Simmons did. Simmons produced Grantland, uh, the ESPN spin-off website. A lot of the stuff on there has been absolutely top-notch, excellent journalism. And then he was involved. He was the driving force behind 30 for 30, which I know people in Ireland are huge fans of and people in America are huge fans of, and which is, you know, top-quality sports documentary making uh, of a kind that, you know, is better than anything that's on ESPN. So in terms of ideas and in terms of content, Simmons was bringing a lot to the table. Uh, and, again, you're talking $5 million. Interest, you know, if you follow this stuff in the media this weekend, you can see the Simmons camp and the anti-Simmons camp. But there, there are reports that he's he was looking for between seven to ten million, and many people believe he will now get that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the contradiction here really is, and you're talking about uh, asking prices of seven million to ten million dollars a year. The contradiction at the heart of all this is that Bill Simmons would style himself completely as, you know, he started off as the sports guy writing a blog, that he's the the voice of the ordinary man uh, in sports media, while at the same time, you come well at the same time being the best paid man at the most powerful TV sports network in the world. Well, and, you know, in terms of American stories, it's the most incredible story. A guy who was bartending and writing a blog and is now, you know, was the biggest media story in America this weekend and whose next move is kind of eagerly awaited. Will Yahoo Sports, uh, you know, pay him 7 to 10 million? Will Fox Sports, which is a dreadful sports network that is in dire need of some inspiration and some proper content, um, you know, will they, will they go into or this is the other thing that Simmons can now do. And, you know, with a tip of my cap there to you, you guys at second captains, uh, he can now go off on his own and realize, you know, that he may, he may not need ESPN. He can create his own network. He can investment capital can come in. He has, um, you know, he can follow the example of Glenn Beck, the right wing talk show host on Fox who left Fox news and created his own TV network and his own online presence and his own radio show. And, and, you know, basically said, I will work now outside the system and I, my people will follow me wherever I go. Yeah, and I, I think this, uh, it's, it's an interesting point as well from the point, uh, the way I would be looking at it is that the st- the, his next move, uh, Simmons's next move, is going to be reported on in exactly the same way as the next move of uh, a coach who's just been fired or a player who's been thrown out of a team. And it, it strikes really to the heart of the, the status of sports presenters in the US that the, the intrigue around their career moves is reported in the exact same way as the next career move of a coach or a player. And I think that it's coming in, uh, it's, it, it's crossed the Atlantic in, a, in the tiniest way when you look at, say, Gary Neville. And uh, he obviously is, is trying to do both at the same time, coaching with England and also broadcasting with Sky Sports. But uh, he's, brought, he's elevated the, what he's doing, the analysis of what he's doing, to such a point where you can talk about it uh, instead of you know punditry being something that retired ex-pros do when they can't get a job or something that they do in between jobs into an actual viable sort of career. And so what the, the point I'm trying to make is that, that basically this is going to be reported very much as a sports story 
instead of just a, a sort of a media story divor- divorced from all of the NBA playoffs and all of the action that's actually going on in American sport at the moment. It is. You're, you're right. It's like an off-season trade. And, you know, just, just to put that in context, too, Bill Simmons, uh, would, would, the NBA is his bailiwick. That's his number one sport. And he would feel that he's more than qualified to be the general manager of many NBA teams. And this is a guy who, when he was on one of ESPN's NBA shows, was reportedly behind getting Magic Johnson fired. Magic Johnson being one of the greatest players of all time, but Magic Johnson wasn't delivering in terms of analysis and actually wasn't bringing anything to the table and Magic Johnson was let go because Simmons said this is not what people are tuning in for. People are, are tuning in for proper analysis. They're watching these shows for a bit of, like you mentioned with Gary Neville, a bit of depth, something different, something educational and he would feel that he, he brings that. Now, others may disagree but absolutely, I turned on cable news this morning and one of the main stories was Bill Simmons on a news channel. <laughs> I mean, that is the extraordinary impact that this guy has and what an incredible tale of a guy making himself, you know, a very American story of a guy really turning himself into a brand, himself into this, um, you know, mega earning journalist that, again, inspires an incredible level of bitching and mourning and jealousy among fellow journalists, uh, which I suppose is kind of inevitable. One of the things he won't be able to bring with him wherever he goes uh, is the intellectual property. And ESPN, uh, I read a piece by James Andrew Miller, the big expert there, really, on all things ESPN, wrote the, literally wrote the book on it. He says one executive made the point that, look, Grantland, 30 for 30, all these things will now belong to ESPN. And one executive has even heard starting to plan who else might host the BS report. Maybe the executive, says James Andrew Miller, thinks that BS stands for something other than Bill Simmons. So this strikes at the heart of what you said earlier on, I think, Dave, in that uh, certainly ESPN, maybe they'll gladly accept a slight drop in quality, a slight uh, lowering of the level of ingenuity involved uh, in their production and presenting teams, and will will truck on with the idea that they're they've done this probably a hundred times before over the thirty year career, and will probably do it another hundred times from now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, ESPN, you know, this, this has damaged ESPN this weekend and ESPN will lose, you know, some <clears throat> of its intellectual heft, I suppose, when it comes to sports programming because of his departure. But ESPN will plow on. I mean, ESPN is bigger than anybody. It's lost big names several times, um, as you said, over the past three decades. But I think Simmons will struggle in terms of one aspect, and that is ESPN is, you know, the sports leader to give their awful slogan another airing. But it is, I mean, what, if it happens on ESPN, then people are talking about it. So he will lose that. I mean, Fox Sports, um, which is now, you know, in the last couple of years, really invested a lot in trying to rival ESPN. I mean, it's a dreadful, dreadful pastiche of ESPN. And, and, and this is from somebody who thinks ESPN has declined in, in quality a lot, even in the 15 years that I've been here. So, you know, when he moves to Fox Sports, he will have a lot less viewers. He will probably get paid a lot less, a lot more money. That's presuming he goes to Fox Sports. His options are wide open. Um, another company I didn't mention, TNT, another channel here, who also have a big online presence in Bleacher Report, a, web, a sports website that you probably know. TNT and Bleacher Report could be another home for him. You know, he, he will have no problem finding a home for his talent because he's a talented guy who brings ideas. And you know, we live in a content-driven world, and he will bring original content. And it doesn't matter that he won't own Grantland because that's just a name. What he will bring is the ability to lure good writers and the ability to recognize good writers and talented people and good ideas. And that, you know, that is why, as they say, they pay him the big bucks. It sounds like you're falling on the Bill Simmons fall of this divide, part of this divide with ESPN. Dave, listen, it's been great to talk to you as always. Thanks a million. Cheers, guys. Good day. I say I'm a million percent. That is better than a hundred percent. I'm confined giant, Central Stadium and Paris. I'm going to reflect Slugger. We got a date with Destiny right now. Yeah. You should check out Dave's excellent America at Large column, which is out on Thursdays in the Irish Times. Can you seem a little shocked that Bill Simmons, for all the work that he puts in that we talked about there, raked in a little bit less money than Thierry Henry, a few less million than Thierry Henry. Well, look, I, I mean, I'm not shocked. 
I know that Thierry Henry gets paid an enormous amount of money, so it doesn't surprise me to hear that a lot of people are paid less. <laughs> and it's never going to surprise those me. making doing more work than Thierry. Well, it's not even the work, though. It's the fact that he's a massive star in America. Maybe it just shows the size of the Premier League market. Well, Thierry Henry's a bigger star than, than Bill Simmons, surely. I mean, in, in, terms of, in terms of football. In terms of... Sporting ability, yes, Thierry Henry. How many people are actually watching Thierry Henry's punditry, though? He's he's the Sky Sports pundit. Uh, A lot of people are watching Premier League football, but worldwide, how many of them watching it? Not that many. Whereas I would have thought worldwide, a lot of people are watching a lot more of ESPN. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, I should say sorry, more more ESPN than Sky Sports specific coverage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt as to which of them is a better um, broadcaster or or pundit. Although I've got to say, I mean, since we were uh, slagging off Thierry Henry so much. I've been watching him recently, and you know, so I've, so I, well, I saw a bit of his coverage of the uh, Barcelona Bayern match. Um, thought he wasn't bad. Mm. Called Yannick Bolassi a great player on Saturday. <laughs> Did he <laughs> called him? A, called him a great player. And then uh, David Jules, who was the presenter of that show, said, "Great, that's a that's a that's a big word, Thierry." He goes, "Yes, great." And then talked for about thirty seconds at the end. Of, he says, of course, when I say great. I mean, he has the potential to to be great. Well, Yannick so, Bellassi's a fine player. Yeah, that's a little closer to the truth. There's a good point that Bill made at the end, that Bill made at the end there, that Dave made at the end there about Bill Simmons, that ESPN have got the rights to Grantland 30 for 30, etc. But Bill Simmons has the intellectual property rights to Bill Simmons. <laughs> so he will presumably rebuild with those 3.7 million Twitter followers. Mm. It's quite a few. He hasn't tweeted anything himself. As I speak, he hasn't anyway, and he hasn't released any info about it, which is interesting. And rather un-Simmons-like as well. Mm. Um, so I think, uh, I would say hold tight. The Bill Simmons uh, explosion is coming <laughs> soon. Uh, so that And that will be fun when it happens. I hope you've enjoyed this show. And uh, thanks very much to you, Ken. Thank you too. Thanks, Murph. Uh, thank you, Ken, and thank you, Owen. Thank thanks you, to Bill Simmons for starting this all sports <laughs> podcasting game rolling a number of years back. Uh, I think enough Simmons talk at this point. All right, thanks for listening. We'll chat to you again. Have a listen to the football podcast. If you get a chance, you can check out secondcaptains.com. Follow us on Twitter at secondcaptains. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.